0: Hello friends and welcome back to the Diet Dump. I'm your host, Tess Palin. I'm an eating disorder survivor and featured registered dietitian nutritionist. Join me in this podcast in taking down diet culture's myths with the hard facts. From fat phobia to fad diets, this podcast will give you all the evidence you're going to need to dump diet culture for good and take back your life. This is Wellness with Awareness. Alrighty, folks, I thought it was only appropriate to kick off this podcast with one, the largest pillar of diet culture, and two, the most controversial aspect of diet culture. It would honestly be a disservice if I didn't address this topic first. So on the agenda for today is explaining what diet culture is and the forms that it takes in today's society, specifically being fat diets. Then, I will give you all the scientific evidence on why these so-called quick fixes to losing weight don't actually work and are actually harmful to our health. How exciting. So let's dive in. Diet culture, or its new self-proclaimed rebranded name wellness culture, is rooted in the basis of believing that people's weight and style of eating directly lends to their moral value and status in society. People in thinner bodies and eating, quote unquote, all the right things are more accepted, more respected, morally better, and thus more successful. AKA weight stigma and fat phobia. This belief system creates an overwhelming fear of being fat and being looked down upon that subsequently leads people to either, quote unquote, pursue health or blatantly just pursue weight loss. You can see this ideology through trends in clean eating detoxes, elimination diets, or just straight-up restriction on every front. Regardless of the form that it takes for the individual person, the general consensus is that in today's society, your food and lifestyle choices directly determine your morality and status, and you should feel shame if you don't pursue health or weight loss. Okay, now that we all have a basic understanding of what diet culture is, Let's talk about the specific fad diets that have come and go over the years. It seems that every single year there's a new diet claiming to be the best and the most effective diet yet. But don't worry, it's not a diet. It's just a lifestyle. Don't get me started on that. We all know the commercials showing off Kelly's new body and how Kelly shed the weight so fast without feeling restricted at all. Yeah, okay, don't believe that. These diets usually cut out major food groups, talk about a red flag, and rely mainly on meal replacements and low-calorie swaps to create the illusion of shedding weight fast. There's more on this later. All these companies want you to do is just buy their products, believing that this time, this time it's going to work, this time the weight is going to stay off for good. When actually, these diets are just designed to fail so that you still blame yourself and keep coming back to buy more product. They just want your money. So not to point fingers, but let's point fingers, you know. There's the infamous low-carb, high-protein diets, a.k.a. Atkins, South Beach, and the one and only, Keto. Then there's the low-calorie, good food, bad food diets, a.k.a. Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, and Noom. Yep, Noom is a diet, believe it or not. But at the core of these diets is just restrict energy, lose weight. Oh. And, if you mess up your diet and you gain weight, you must be a failure. And it's your fault that the diet failed. You clearly just don't have enough willpower, right? Wrong. These diets are just designed to fail. But why? It all boils down to set point theory. It's not because you don't have enough willpower, or didn't quote-unquote want it badly enough. No, it's because your body is just not designed for dieting and deprivation. Your body has a weight range that it functions best at, and it's going to fight to stay within this range. So when you restrict, your body has multiple mechanisms in place in order to return to its desired weight. One mechanism is the regulation of your hormones. When you diet, the hunger hormone ghrelin increases and the fullness hormone leptin decreases. This is your body just kindly asking you to consume a little more food because it just needs some more energy to, you know, survive. Studies show that these alterations in hunger hormone regulation tend to be permanent after the initial diet, as the body now believes that there's going to be intermittent periods of famine, so you need to eat the food while it lasts, you know? Furthermore, the body also thinks that you're starving, as I said, so it's going to conserve energy wherever it can. Meaning, the metabolism is going to slow down. Unfortunately, this makes weight gain so much easier when normal eating is resumed. Because this is a protective mechanism for future deprivation. The deprivation in dieting also increases the stress hormone cortisol. Of course, your body's going to be stressed out from this bullshit diet because it thinks you're in a famine. This increased cortisol activates the reward system of our brain which affects our drive for pleasure through food. That's why your brain becomes so preoccupied and obsessed with food. You're looking at recipes, you're cooking, you're baking, you're looking at what I eat in a daze, because food looks so much more tempting and appetizing than it normally does. This makes sense because the body is just trying to get us to eat the damn food. And furthermore, this chronically active state of stress and uptick in cortisol also signals the cells to release glucose for the muscles to use, as it believes we're in a fight or flight famine mode. With this increase in blood glucose, there's also an increase in the hormone insulin as a way to counteract this. This combination of cortisol and insulin is the perfect combo for telling your body to store fat. Cortisol tells the body we're in a state of danger, And insulin signals the cells to store energy because who knows when we're gonna get food again, right? Knowing all of this, it's no shock that 95% of diets actually fail because our bodies are just hardwired to protect against deprivation. Okay, so normally people's weight loss usually plateaus at the six to 12 month mark of their diet. Typically, people lose about 10% of their starting weight. But after this, 95% of people either gain back all the weight they lost, or in many cases, they gain back even more than they lost. In a meta-analysis of 21 weight loss studies, the average amount of weight loss maintained among all the participants in the studies from baseline to two-year follow-up was only two pounds. So knowing that, that miserable diet that you put yourself through doesn't seem very worth it, now does it? The National Weight Control Registry also knows this fact. That is why it only has a requirement of maintained weight loss for one year as the eligibility requirement. But if they were really genuinely so keen on proving that diets work and people can successfully lose weight and keep it off for their whole life, they would have a much larger time requirement, right? But they're just trying to prove that diets work by narrowing the time frame to cut off the time when people actually start to gain the weight back. They know, and we know, that over the long-term, meaning, you know, more than one year, the previously mentioned biological control mechanisms begin to take over. So, now let's discuss where this short-lived weight loss is actually coming from and whether or not it's actually healthy. So, was this magical weight loss actually all fat loss? The answer is no. Sorry. When the body is put into an energy deficit due to dietary restriction, the body is quite literally put into starvation mode. I know I've said this before, I'll say it again. When we deprive the body of energy it needs to continue to fuel our day to day activities, cell turnover, brain function, all that good stuff, it has to find energy elsewhere. And that's where the glycogen stores in our muscles come in handy. When our blood glucose levels drop due to the fasting and, and overall low energy intake in a diet, the body has to fight to maintain the blood glucose levels as that is what brings energy to every part of the body. So when food is broken down into glucose in the body, it enters the blood so it can be used for quick energy in our cells. And it also is stored as a more branched molecule called glycogen, in our muscles and organ tissues to power our organ functions and everyday movements. So, when there's limited blood glucose as a result of restriction, the most easily accessible source of energy is those glycogen stores in our muscle. But here's the kicker. These glycogen molecules are also stored with water molecules in the muscle tissue. So as the body begins to tap into the glycogen stores for energy, You also pull the water from the muscle tissue, and that's where you see the dramatic weight loss. You think you've found the magical solution to weight loss because you see the number dropping on the scale, but that's actually just water. After the glycogen stores are depleted, unfortunately, you can't trick your body into exclusive fat burning mode. Your body pulls from your muscle tissues as well as your adipose tissues, and protein from muscle tissues actually goes first because it's more easily metabolized than fat molecules and provides more energy. Part of the fat molecule, glycerol, can be broken down into glucose, but this does not supply much glucose at all. And since glucose is the preferred source of energy for our brain, the body is forced to pull energy from other parts of the body. Sorry, keto, it doesn't work that way. So when you are depriving your body of energy it needs, It's forced to go to the muscle tissue first. This excessive breakdown of protein into glucose can also be harmful to your health. One, because you're quite literally breaking down the tissues that make up your organs and skeletal muscles. And two, this process creates ammonium as a byproduct, which is toxic to the body. And to get it out, the liver has to convert it into a non-toxic substance and then send it to the kidneys where they have to excrete it out in the urine. So, excess of this ammonium buildup can cause issues as the liver and the kidneys have to work overtime. So, everybody, let's just cut this low-carb fat burn bullshit because it's kind of just dangerous. And apart from these lovely reasons why restriction is a disservice to health, so was justifying the pursuit of weight loss for the so-called improvements in other health measures, such as blood pressure, cholesterol and triglyceride levels, and diabetes prevention. In a meta-analysis of 21 randomized control trials that studied weight loss with a follow-up of at least two years, weight change in the diet group was not at all significantly correlated with changes in blood pressure, cholesterol, triglyceride levels, or coronary mortality risk. Furthermore, other studies have shown that a history of repeated weight cycling actually puts these health measures at an even greater risk. In a seven-year study of over 3,500 middle-aged subjects with quote-unquote healthy BMIs, weight cycling was actually an independent risk factor for metabolic syndrome, which includes increased risk for high blood pressure and cholesterol. Additionally, a study of over 2,000 middle-aged men with both, quote-unquote, healthy BMIs and, quote-unquote, overweight BMIs, a history of weight cycling correlated to a higher resting insulin level in people with the, quote-unquote, healthy BMIs, meaning there was an increase in insulin resistance in normal weight subjects, which is a precursor to diabetes. So in many cases, quote-unquote obesity is not the cause for diabetes. Instead, it's the cycle of restriction that puts individuals at risk, regardless of what size they are. This cycle of restriction also causes the blood pressure to fluctuate so drastically as the intake of energy fluctuates. So as a consequence, the heart and the blood vessels are put through unnecessary stress that may lead to vascular damage. So all in all, yo-yo dieting in the name of health actually puts one more at risk for developing the poor health markers that dieters are running from, regardless of their weight. Okay, that was a lot of information, so let's do a quick recap. Our bodies are not designed to be deprived, and they have biological mechanisms that work against this. That is why 95% of diets fail you are not failing your diet. Your diet is failing you and your health. Yo-yo dieting can be detrimental to your organs and skeletal muscles, as well as your blood glucose and blood pressure regulation. Okay, everyone, I hope this episode has been helpful to you in checking the facts and exposing the lies that diet culture feeds us about the quote-unquote benefits of dieting. Stay tuned for the upcoming episode where I will go into a little bit deeper and explain the science behind intuitive eating. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you all so, so much for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode helping you debunk diet culture's myths. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or whichever platform you're listening to this on. And you can help spread the anti-diet message by leaving a positive rating and review. You can also stay up to date with the podcast through its website at thedietdump.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Diet Dump. Thank you again for listening, and always remember to check the facts.